Blog Talk Radio. Carolinas to the world via the World Wide Web. This is Redeeming Truth Radio, and this is your host for the next 30 minutes as we seek to take an expedition for truth, yours truly, Pastor Brian Shilton. And we thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be. And uh, as the music uh, indicates, today we're going to talk about Christmas trees. And uh, the uh, love-hate relationship that uh, many in the Christian community have with uh, Christmas trees, some uh, believing that it is a pagan symbol, and uh, perhaps some people believing that it's even dangerous uh, to place a Christmas tree in one's home. But of course, I think there are many others who would say that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a Christmas tree. 
and that uh, it can represent something else, something deeper uh, in the Christian faith. So we're going to talk all about Christmas trees today. We're going to talk about uh, the, and ask first and foremost, uh, whether or not the uh, Christmas tree is based upon a pagan symbol or whether or not it's based upon a Christian symbol. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later on uh, in our podcast. But first of all, I want to let you know, if you'd like to call in, our number is 323 323- Seven eight four nine six one seven. Once again, that's three two three seven eight four nine six one seven. I'm using a new microphone, and uh, right now, due to the limitations of my technology, I'm having to pre-record the podcast itself. But uh, during the live shows, you can still call in, and we'll take your calls towards the end of the show. Now. I won't take it during the middle of the podcast because many uh, portions of our podcast are pre-recorded uh, so that we can use uh, this this microphone to present a better sounding product in the end. Uh, but uh, towards the end of the show, you more feel more than free to call in with any question or comment that you have, and then we'll take your calls towards the end of the show. Once again, the number is 323-784-9617. And to call in, normally you would call in every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, and that would be uh, 9 a.m. Pacific for our friends on the West Coast. But uh, yesterday... I had a lot of technical difficulties getting the show ready to go on the air. Uh, There were problems with the site at Blog Talk Radio. There were problems uh, getting this together, getting this recorded, uh, getting some of the uh, additional things we use on the podcast or things I use on the podcast together. So uh, I tried to actually delay the podcast by 30 minutes, but... Again, the site was having all kind of problems, so uh, we had to, I had to put it off a day. So this is actually coming to you on the first day of December, which may be even more appropriate uh, due to the content of our discussion today. So uh, also be sure to check out uh, my website called Bellator Christi, which is Latin for uh, Soldier of Christ. Or a warrior for Christ, either one. Uh, but you can find the site over at pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. And at last check, we're reaching over 106,000 people in over 188 nations. So we're thankful to God for that uh, and for those who have helped uh, get this website off the ground and going. So again, that is over at pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. Now, I published an article just yesterday on this uh, topic we're going to discuss today on the Christmas tree. Uh, Just this past Thanksgiving, uh, which would be last Thursday, my family and I participated in an annual tradition. Uh, We put up and lit the uh, Christmas tree that we have in our home. And in fact, if you go over to the website, you'll see a picture of the tree that we have up. We not only have that tree up, we have Christmas lights out in the front yard. We also have another Christmas tree that we have uh, towards the back, and uh, it lit up, or or actually it's one facing 
uh, out in public, out in the back. So anyhow, we are very festive as I am even recording this podcast. I see a nativity scene across from me. I see uh, garland wreaths and and uh, just a very festive look to our abode. But some people, and in fact, I got in a conversation not long ago with some folks uh, pertaining to the issue of the Christmas tree. Some people believe that the Christmas tree is rooted in paganism and is really not part of the Christian genre or the Christian faith. Some people even will go so far, especially those in more of the Jehovah Witness uh, ideologies, in saying that it, the Christmas trees and symbols of like, of like matter are evil. Well, today we're going to simply ask the question, is the Christmas tree rooted in paganism or is it rooted in Christianity? Uh, is the Christian tree or is the Christmas tree a pagan symbol or is it a Christian symbol? And to ask that question, we have to go back to the whole idea of the evergreen. Is the evergreen... Uh, a tree that uh, is does, that does not lose its needles, a tree that stays green all year round. Is it a pagan symbol or is it a Christian symbol? And the answer is yes on both counts. Um, th- this issue, and part of the reason why I didn't get the podcast available yesterday, I was kind of pushed because... Um, this issue was a lot more complicated than I had first anticipated. Um, the fact is is that the evergreen holds a symbolic nature in most cultures in the world, or at least cultures that have access to an evergreen tree. Okay, So, so I want to simply look first... And I won't have time to go into all the detail that I did on the website. So if you want to go check that out at the at Pastor Brian Shilton at Bellator Christie at PastorBrianShilton.wordpress.com, I highly encourage you to do so. I have a lot of sources that I used to to get this information. But first, it must be acknowledged. We we must ask the question: Is the evergreen a pagan symbol? In other words, when we talk about symbols, we're talking about a somewhat of a metaphor. We're, we're saying that it is a something that is used, whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, whether it's a person, whether it's a circle, whether it's a cross, whatever it may be. Symbols are mediums that are used to communicate a, a certain particular truth, a deeper truth. Okay, so when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, is he really a light? Is he a candle? Is he a light bulb? Of course not. When Jesus uses the, the word light, he is using the term light in a symbolic fashion. Uh, he is basically saying that he gives light to a dark world, which means that uh, his righteousness, his truth, is is it brings hope, it brings love, it brings grace 
to individuals in a in a land in a world full of despair and grief and hopelessness. Okay, so you see the metaphor. Symbols do that very same thing. Symbols have a deeper meaning using things that are understood by people in a certain culture in a certain time. So if we talk about a circle and use, for instance, the 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 ring is a symbol that's used in the Christian culture. A ring is a circle, and of course a circle has no beginning, has no end, so the circle itself is a symbol demonstrating uh, e- the eternal relationship or eternal nature that should be in the marriage construct. All right. So, in other words, that's what symbols are. Symbols hold a particular meaning for a particular group. But we have to understand that what one group holds as a particular meaning to a symbol, may not be the same meaning that another group holds with that particular symbol. So let's first of all look at the pagan symbol of evergreens as it correlates to the Christian tree, or the Christmas tree. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, and I quote, the use of evergreen trees, wreaths, and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a custom of the ancient Egyptians, Chinese, and Hebrews. Now, of course, we use, and let's just pause, we use the term pagans to refer to non-Christians. Okay, that's where the term pagan comes from. So if you have an Egyptian culture that is not Christianized, that would be considered a pagan culture. But it gets more complicated when we talk about the Hebrews because the Hebrews were the predecessors to the Christian faith. We talk about the Judeo-Christian ethic or the Judeo-Christian lifestyle, the Judeo-Christian belief system. Okay, Everyone understands that Christianity was the fulfillment to ancient Hebrew prophecies. At least that's what Christians believe, just to be fair and in full disclosure. All right, but anyhow, it, it, it continues saying that uh, tree worship was common among the pagan Europeans and survived their conversion to Christianity and the Scandinavian customs of decorating the house and barns with evergreens at the new year to scare away the devil and of setting up a tree for the birds during Christmas time. All right, and, and that's kind of a condensed... Um, um, uh, kind of an abbreviated general theme to what was going on, but it was a lot more complicated than that. Uh, and we'll take a look at that in a few moments. But to the Egyptians, the evergreen represented resurrection because of the fact that the evergreen, unlike deciduous trees, never lose their leaves. They remain steadfast, whether it be in the heat of the summertime or the snow and ice, the coldness of the wintertime. The evergreen continuously uh, holds its leaves, or not leaves, but its needles. Uh, It continuously stays green regardless of what season it may be. And so that's why the evergreen tree holds that distinction of 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 holding the symbol of eternity, of resurrection, of eternal life. Many pagans would hang evergreen limbs in their their homes 
to signify the winter solstice. And this was kind of an encouragement to uh, many individuals, particularly in Germanic cultures, that uh, to remind them that uh, winter was here, but that the days would start getting longer after the winter solstice, and to remind them that spring was on its way, even despite the cold uh, of the winter time, warmness, heat was coming back. Stay, stay, stay true. Stay, stay uh, committed. Keep, keep hope. Uh, even th- during the the cold of winter time, there is warm days coming back. All right, but uh, many of them. Uh, Germanic peoples would celebrate the winter festival by honoring the pagan god Odin. Many believed that he would fly at the night sky on a magical flying horse and determine who would be blessed or cursed in the coming year. And you see some correlation with uh, the the later um, distinction of uh, St. Nicholas, which would be later called Santa Claus, as it was kind of incorporated into the culture at the time. But uh, anyhow, so those who claim that the symbol of the evergreen holds a pagan past are in some ways correct. Okay, but we have to understand that it's not only distinctly a pagan custom. It's not only distinctly a pagan symbol. There are other cultures that use the evergreen tree as a symbol. I mean, let's be honest. We as Christians can't claim that we own sole copyright to every symbol and shape that's out there. I mean, uh, it, it, for instance, if if you say that you can't use a circle to represent certain things, then you're going to have problems when it comes to the English language and many other languages, such as Greek, which uses a circular letter uh, in the Omicron, uh, or even in Hebrew that uses a circular letter with the uh, Hebrew uh, uh, letter Psalmic. So, you know, the circle is a symbol that's used in different ways and different matters. By the way, the circle Omicron is used in Greek to, uh, to express an O. That's a circle with a little bit of an extension on top. The psalmic is used to uh, demonstrate the, the S sound, that what English speakers would know as the S sound. There you have a circle used in two different ways, in two different fashions. And in Hebrew, let's just let's just say that uh, there's a little bit of differences by the way people write that letter. But many people use the psalmic as a circle and put a little dash on top of it. But all I'm trying to say is, is that just because there are pagan uh, individuals who hold that the evergreen is a symbol of of eternity doesn't make it exclusively a pagan symbol. Because if we note, uh, evergreens also hold a symbolic place with the ancient Hebrews. Now, in the Old Testament, you're especially going to hear about a tree called a cypress. A cypress is a type of spruce tree, which is very, uh, which is in the evergreen category. It was a tree that didn't lose its uh, leaves. Many cedars may have been uh, this in the same camp. Okay, so but the cypress tree is one that's used quite frequently, and in fact, in Hosea, it's even uh, translated in the English Standard Version as an evergreen cypress. Uh, Hosea quoting God says, O Ephraim, 
What have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like the evergreen cypress. There you have it, the evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit, we find in Hosea 14.8. Isaiah considers the cypress to be a symbol of God's blessing when noting in Isaiah 55.13 that instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Okay, so this is a removal of the curse in the end times as God takes uh, things that are, uh, takes the thorns and replaces them with the cypress, with an evergreen tree, okay, with a tree that lasts and endures. Obviously, there is symbolism here. I don't know how literal you take this, but I think, and perhaps it is somewhat literal, but I think what you find is a symbol that the the plant, like the thorn that would bring pain, would be replaced by the cypress, a tree that endures and endures and endures. He goes on to say, Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So you see some great symbolism there uh, in the evergreen tree, in the cypress tree. Okay, Some even hold that the evergreen could be a symbol for the tree of life. Uh, in fact, there are many who... who uh, Use and we're going to read about this in a moment. Uh, many who believe that December twenty fourth is a celebration of of uh, Adam and Eve. Christmas Eve is a celebration of Adam and Eve and the tree of life. And the, and on the twenty fourth, how it was, um, how sin came in the world. And on the twenty fifth, the Christmas represents the the coming of the incarnation of Christ and how He would remove the sin uh, from the world. Now, obviously, December 25th, I wrote an article about this before uh, where I said that it may be that December 25th is the birthday of Jesus. But the more I've studied this, the more I'm going to have to recant that article. I believe that there's more and more evidence suggesting that it may have been in the spring of the year. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter because unlike Easter, the exact date of Jesus' birth was not uh, well documented. and But that didn't mean that, uh, that his birth was not important. And so this was a date chosen to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And so with this, this notion of the evergreen tree being like the tree of life, Jesus connecting individuals back to that, that uh, paradise that was lost, this symbol seems to indicate the eternal nature that uh, that God possesses, and the and how God brings us into that eternal rest with Him. So, how did the evergreen become associated with Christmas? Well, there are several theories. One ancient tradition seems to be uh, one that suggest that uh, the evergreen tradition could have started in the Christian, at least in the Christian movement, by one Boniface. Now this tradition, let me just be honest in full disclosure, this tradition is laced with some legendary content which can't be proven by the historical method. But nonetheless, Boniface was a missionary uh, who was formerly known as Winfrith, 
Um, but Boniface, uh, Winfrith, renamed Boniface, was appointed by Pope Gregory II as a missionary to the Germans in the early 700s. Okay, so we're talking about the 8th century here. Boniface was an ardent defender of Christianity and sought to destroy paganism in any way possible. Boniface was aghast to find that the Germanic peoples were worshipping an oak tree devoted to Thor, and some think that uh, the tree may have actually been devoted to Odin. Uh, But nonetheless, whether it was Odin or whether it was Thor, there was this oak that was dedicated uh, to one of these Norse gods. And the tradition goes that uh, a lot of times they would take a young boy and sacrifice this young boy in front of this oak to appease Thor, the god of thunder, uh, or even Odin, his father. All right, so, so Thor is much more than a Marvel comic book character. He was actually a part of the uh, Norse uh, pantheon of gods. All right, but so anyhow, Boniface goes, and and some traditions state that they were getting ready to sacrifice a young boy at the foot of this tree. Well, Boniface goes; he's aghast to find that they're worshiping this oak, so he takes an axe, and the tradition states that he he chopped it a time or two. The wind began to blow, and the tree toppled down in three or four pieces, only to find that this oak of Thor was rotten from the inside out. But there in its place, whether it was to the side or whether it was inside this tree, there was an evergreen tree growing there. And the tradition states that Boniface told the people that this tree that you worship is dead and rotten, but there grows an evergreen tree which represents the Christ Jesus who brings forth eternal life. And the story goes that many people became uh, Christians because of that. They worshipped the true God instead of these uh, Norse, uh, instead of the Norse pantheon. But nonetheless, eventually Boniface would lose his life because of this, because there were some people who were outraged uh, in uh, some of the things that Boniface was doing. But nonetheless, uh, this seems to be uh, one of the root. One of the roots behind the Christian movement accepting the evergreen tree as a symbol of of Christ and of eternal life found in Christ. Another tradition, tradition, excuse me, points the Christian practice of placing a tree in one's home to the Protestant reformer Martin Luther himself, which may explain why later Catholics saw the practice uh, as a an exclusive Protestant tradition and didn't want to take part of it at the outset of the growth of placing uh, uh, Christmas trees in in homes around Christmas time. But but nonetheless, it said that Luther saw the evergreen tree in in the cold of winter as it was pointing to heaven, and he believed that it served as a sign of God's eternal grace Uh, as it still maintained its leaves, it still uh, maintained its grace, its beauty. So he chopped down this tree and placed it in his home. I mean, there were many other trees out there, but he took one, chopped it down, 
put it in his home, decorated it with lights, and said that the evergreen tree, so the story goes, represents eternal life found in Christ Jesus, and the lights represents the light of Christ that's found in Jesus Christ. So that's another tradition that links the Christmas tree uh, to Christianity. And some of that information can be found in uh, O'Neill and La Rochelle's book. Uh, let me look over this and find it. Uh, it's called Before and After Christmas, uh, put out by, um, hold on a second, Augsburg Fortress Publications. So, very interesting read. Uh, if you're interested in that, you ought to check it out. But anyhow, the practice to con uh, continue to develop in and around Germany before being transferred over into England and to France. Neil Armstrong, in the writing a publication called German History, quotes the Illustrated London News uh, back in 18... Uh, let me get this up here. 1854, December 23rd of 1854... He quotes this news um, article as saying, As Christmas Eve always falls on the evening of Adam and Eve's day, an Orthodox Christmas tree will have the figures of our first parents at its foot and the serpent twining himself round its stem. By a bold stretch of theological fancy, the tree with its branches and tapers is understood to typify the genealogy of our Lord. So here again, the Christmas tree is rooted in the, the Christian tradition as, as well. Therefore, the Christmas tree finds a home among really a rich Christian tradition, stemming all the way back, and at least in some part, back to the Hebrew Bible, which we understand as the Old Testament. So we need to also, as we talk about this topic, we need to also discuss the whole genre of symbols. What does it mean when we use symbols? It must be remembered that symbols hold no power in and of themselves. You know, a circle is just that. It's the shape of a circle. There, there's, there's nothing to a circle in and of itself. But when we use the circle as a symbol, the use of that circle becomes very important. Symbols are a medium for communicating a particular truth, and we must remember that. Often the church has taken symbols that even had pagan roots and transform them in order to use them to present a Christian message. And by the way, before you say, Brian, are you going off the deep end, understand this is a biblical tradition. Okay? This is a biblical tradition. It simply means that the church, they don't compromise their message. It doesn't mean that they compromise their message, message at all. It means that they contextualize the message. What does that mean? It means that you take things that people understand and transform the meaning of those symbols so that you have a means of communicating with people on their level. All right? Such a practice does not mean that the church compromises or, or adopts pagan practices. It simply means that the church contextualized the gospel message so that the message would make sense to its hearers. 
you know, I have to agree with O.Z. Solstice in his writing that symbolic imagery can transform visual particulars while preserving the underlying meaning and message across time and space, and that's what makes symbols so powerful. Jesus, for instance, used agrarian symbols in his parables. For instance, take the parable of the, of the sower, where Jesus talks about uh, three, four seeds that were cast on four different types of land. Uh, one was on rocky soil, one was on shallow soil, one was uh, in soil around briars, and one was in good soil. The whole point is that the one that is in good soil is one who has received the message of Christ, has transformed his heart, and that person grows and develops into, and grows fruit in the end. Now, we understand that. Why do we understand that? We understand it because he uses symbols to bring forth a particular message. For instance, Paul does the same thing. Uh, or, or let's, first of all, look at John. John used the Logos word, which comes from a very deep Logos principle, uh, which has a whole array of, of of meanings, levels of meanings even, uh, which even uh, transcends not only the Jewish culture, but also the Greek philosophical culture as well. And why did he do this? He did this to demonstrate that Jesus was God come in flesh, and that would have made sense to those who understood the Logos principle found in John chapter 1. We also see that Paul addresses the people of Athens using the phrase to the unknown God, referring to an inscription on a pagan altar of all things in order to teach them that this unknown God was truly the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, that this was referring to, in fact, Jesus was referring to God, the God of all creation. So, here again, there's not a compromise in this. It's contextualization, and that makes all the difference in the world. Now, let me just close with this. There's nothing wrong for a Christian to own a Christmas tree. There's nothing wrong with putting up Christmas decorations. But I do think what we need to do, I do think what we must understand is the Christian meaning behind these symbols. Now, if we just take a Christmas tree and we look at some of the pagan symbols and go with the pagan symbols, then we may be compromising our faith. But if we understand the Christian traditions behind these things, then I see no problem, especially due to the, due to the fact that uh, we find the evergreen being used, the cypress being used in the Old Testament and really all throughout the pages of the Bible. Symbols in and of themselves are not really good and evil. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not good and evil. I'm not bringing forth any type of pantheism. I'm just simply saying that symbols are just that. They're symbols. Uh, the symbol itself doesn't have any meaning in and of itself. An evergreen tree is really a tree. All right? It's a tree, plain and simple. Uh, it, it serves its purpose in this world. It's a tree. A tree is a tree. But when we use the evergreen tree to symbolize something, that tree then becomes a symbol. It becomes a metaphor for a deeper principle. 
So I believe that as Christians, we need to understand the Christian interpretation to these symbols, understanding that the evergreen tree represents the eternal nature of Christ, the eternal life that we find in Christ, and that the lights that we place on the tree represents the light of Christ as well. So rest easy. Enjoy your Christmas holiday coming up very soon and allow the rich history of the evergreen representing God's eternal grace his eternal nature and the lights representing the light of Christ to deepen your Christmas traditions as you turn your lives inward and upward to God in this Christmas season. This has been Redeeming Truth Radio and this is Pastor Brian Chilton saying God bless and we'll see you back next week. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. Apologetics seeks to give credible answers to curious questions, to give a defense. Is the Christmas tree a pagan symbol? If you've ever been in an evangelistic encounter with a Jehovah's Witness, uh, you would know that they might say to you that the Christmas tree is a pagan symbol. And if you were to say, well, what do you mean? And where can you show me that in the Bible? They would say, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 10. And you would come to Jeremiah 10 and you would read in verses 2 to 4, Learn not the ways of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Now, if you were to read those verses with a Jehovah's Witness, you might be in a place where you go, man, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. However, if you're aware of the Scriptures, you could go on to the very next verse and read verse 5, which says, Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. Now, this is not talking about a Christmas tree uh, being pagan in its origin. This is talking about wooden idols in the context of Jeremiah. Christmas trees would come far later, and Jeremiah is not thinking about Christmas trees that we decorate around Christmas time. In fact, Hank Hanegraaff had this to say about this idea. Christmas trees originated in Christian Germany 2,000 years after Jeremiah's condemnation of man-made idols. They evolved over time from two Christian traditions. One was a paradise tree hung with apples as a reminder of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. The other was a triangular shelf holding Christmas figurines decorated by a star. In the 16th century, these two symbols merged into the present Christmas tree tradition. As such, the Christmas tree began as a distinctively Christian symbol and can still be legitimately used by Christians today as part of their Christmas festivities. So keep that in mind next time you get into an encounter with somebody who would say that the Christmas tree is a pagan symbol. 